A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source in Pro Power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll and the home of the much-anticipated Duff McKagan joke. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. Listen, uh, why did the farmer, after a particularly bad harvest, decide to start uh, you know, a career in music? Why? Because he had a ton of sick beats. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Oh, wow. <laughs> I actually like that one. Sick beats. Uh, Duff is here every single Friday with an amazing joke such as that. He's also going to be delivering amazing performances with Guns N' Roses on their summer tour starting June 1st in Abu Dhabi, if you happen to be in the neighborhood. And then they're doing Europe and North America before the huge Power Trip Festival this October in Indio, California, headlining Friday night along with Iron Maiden. And Fozzie's hitting the road again as well. We're going out with Ugly Kid Joe co-headlining. We start up May 4th in Los Angeles at the Regent Theater. We're going all over the place. Los Angeles, Albuquerque, Houston, Dallas, Oklahoma City, Kansas City, Missouri, St. Charles, Illinois, Green Bay, Wisconsin, Turtle Lake, Wisconsin, Indianapolis, Moline, Atlanta, Cottonwood, Alabama, Fort Myers, Florida, Tampa, Destin. We're going sea to shining sea with Ugly Kid Joe. All ticket information at FozzyRock.com. All VIP meet and greet information. It's one of the best in the business. We meet you. We take pics with you. We sign autographs. We play a private show just for you before the show. So hit up FozzyRock.com and we'll see you on the road. We just finished up our most successful U.S. tour ever. Thanks to the thousands and thousands and thousands of you who bought tickets and came to the shows. We're going to continue the love with the co-headlining bill with Ugly Kid Joe starting May 4th in Los Angeles. And speaking of Ugly Kid Joe... I got singer Whitfield Crane here on Talk is Jericho today. And the touring with them is the band's first tour of the States in 27 years. They've been touring Europe and the UK, other parts of the world since they got back together in 2010. He explains why they haven't done any shows in North America until now. 
which got some great stories as well about living on the Motorhead tour bus in 2012 and 2014, living on the bus for no apparent reason other than he just wanted to be there, jamming with Lemmy and the guys during the tours. It was also at Lemmy's 70th birthday party at the Whiskey in L.A. I was there too. We sang a song together. We're talking about that. Great times with Lemmy uh, and Motorhead. Wood also toured with Van Halen in 1992. Remembers hanging out backstage with Eddie Van Halen and the nickname they gave him. It's a good one. And, of course, he's got a bunch of stories about touring with Ozzy Osbourne and all that Ozzy and Sharon did for Ugly Kid Joe when they first started. They get into the super early days of the band, getting started in Santa Barbara, how their EP, Ugly As They Want To Be, and their hit song, I Hate Everything About You, was so successful. We talk about MTV and the role it played in Ugly Kid Joe's success, how they avoided the 80s hairband, early 90s hairband label, and we get into the brand new Ugly Kid Joe record, Rad Wings of Destiny, and their cover of The Kinks, Lola. Great conversation with the super rad Whitfield Crane, my upcoming tour mate, as we hit, get ready to hit the road with Ugly Kid Joe. And we get ready with Ugly Kid Joe and Whitfield Crane right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. Let's just jump right in. The last time we saw each other was a very monumental night. It was uh, Lemmy's 70th birthday party at the Whiskey. And we had the jam of all jams in uh, Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers with Chris and Witt on vocals, Rob Trujillo on bass, Scott Ian on uh, rhythm, Charlie Benanti on drums, and Slash on guitar. That was gnarly. How amazing was that, right? Well, it was pretty cool. You know, anything for Lem, right? And he was up there in the uh, balcony. Our lookers right, you know, lookers right, uh, I guess stage right up on the thing with his big and uh, beautiful wooden throne, if you recall. <laughs> did you, did you kind of watch him? Like he was like, I, first of all, it was pretty amazing that he even showed up to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he's pretty funny. He was up there. Did you, did you peek at him through the show? Because there was times during that show, and I say this with respect, he was reading a book. I was standing with, with Lars from Metallica for a while. And he's like, is he reading a book? I'm like, yes, he, he's sitting, like you said, up top of the balcony in his big throne, reading yeah. a book. And the reason for that is, and you, obviously we can talk about this in depth because you, you, you live with him for, for a long time here and there. He, I think he was there for everybody else. I don't think he wanted the pomp and circumstance of Lemmy, we love you, you're the greatest thing ever. I think he just went there knowing people are going to want me there, so I'm going to go, but I'm just going to read my book and not uh, really care about this too much. I agree with you. You know, he and, he and in fact, the last shows he played, I think, were quite like that as well. Like he did, he had no logical reason to come to a lot of those events, including ours, and he showed up. So that's the guy. He, you know, he got it done. To the very end. Well, let's talk about that. You had a really close relationship with Lemmy because at the time, and once again, you're in Hawaii right now, but you are a wandering the earth having adventures, if I could paraphrase Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And for a while, you actually lived on Motorhead's tour bus, from what I recall you telling me. 2012 and 2014, both times I found myself post uh, UKJ tour, and both times, you know, I, I was kind of float around the earth. So mostly I live in Europe, especially pre uh, COVID and now post-COVID. And uh, I would go to, because it would be time for no good reason that Motorhead was about to tour, right? And I would show up to the Motorhead. First, I'd call Phil Campbell and I'd say, by the way, bro, and I wouldn't, you know, I wasn't on tour. I had no reason to go on that bus. There was no, I wasn't <laughs> selling any t-shirts. It wasn't, 
There was no logical reason. And you know your bus, Chris. Like, there's no one. You can't bring anybody on the bus. It's not right. happening. So it's a right. bit of a ludicrous concept. But I really felt it. And uh, I would figure out, figure out where the Motorhead rehearsals were. And I would show up and Phil, Phil Campbell would be, I'll feel like kind of, you know, I'm trying to kill time and he'd be like, okay, hold on. Let me ask. And you know, you, you've gone backstage and see Lem on the, um, on the poker machine back there, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. and he'd be, you know, he'd be smoking his cigarette, sipping his, his, uh, his bourbon. And both times, uh, Phil was like, Hey, you know, what wants to go on tour with us for, you know, a week or two, he's killing time in between something else I was up to both times. Lem would look over at me and go right on. And there I was on the tour bus. And it's pretty interesting for me because sure he's my friend, but I'm also a fan and probably a, I think you and I share that, that common yeah. theme is that we're fans of this, you know, this, this creative frequency, rock and roll, heavy metal, whatever you may call it. And, um, you know, there was the crew bus and then there was the band bus and the band bus had Lemmy downstairs, you know, you know, when you get a little bed downstairs, but you could hang out there during the day or like, you know, let's say a post show for a little bit. And then upstairs, was the back lounge was a bed for Phil and then up above the bus driver was Mickey D's and then and then in between that stuff upstairs was a Victor and, a, and another one of their techs uh, who were super good guys and me I had my own I had my own bunk <laughs> and I would cruise and uh, and about every third show which was you know which was um, par for the course Lemmy would say I suppose you want to jam tonight and I'd be like yeah you know I do <laughs> and uh i would so that happened in 2012 2014 you know he was you know he was um challenged with his health mm -hmm. and so it was really good to be there and have talks with him particularly either way anytime any anytime you talk to that guy was kind of you know illuminating and 2014 you know to sit there and just really talk to him about you know stuff stuff you know that i won't talk to you about but just really mm -hmm. intense you know important transition type stuff and then uh i'll tell you and then one of the coolest things that i think well in fact it was the coolest thing is so as i said like every third show they'd be able you want to come jam so i'm sitting i think we're like in switzerland or whatever if it's 2014 it's probably let's say july 1st or maybe even june 31st something like that and uh phil comes back and says we're playing like a hockey rink they're playing they're playing a hockey rink and i'm there and uh, Phil goes, you want to jam tonight? And the, you would never say no to that, right? You'd never say, no, I don't want to jam. You just wouldn't say it. A, it's rude, and B, like, it's Motorhead, right? Yeah. So Phil comes back and goes, so do you want to come jam? Lem wants to know if you want to jam. And I, and I already knew my answer. My answer was, no, I don't. <laughs> and he was like, he looked at me really funny. I'm all, I just don't want to do it tonight. Because I knew the timing of that wouldn't be the next show, which was, which was Hyde Park. Ah. <laughs> so July 4th. Hyde Park 2014, it was, I mean, literally, it was Soulfly, Faith No More, Soundgarden, Black Sabbath, and Motorhead, right? <laughs> right? So I waited it out. I didn't say anything. You know, those dudes, those guys are pretty good at chess. And, you know, I can play some chess, <laughs> rock and roll chess. And, uh, you know, Phil gave me that look, like, really? You don't want to play? And I was like, nope, I don't. And I looked at him with a really funny look, like, no, I don't. <laughs> and then push come to shove, you know, we went and stayed in London for a couple of days and blah, blah, blah. And Phil comes up to me and goes, ah, you want to play Hyde Park? And I go, yes, I do. <laughs> and then, so there we were, we went, you know, we saw Trujillo and Charlie Benante and some other guys, they were, they're going off to play a different show in the hotel. And then we went off to Hyde Park and we we're backstage, Hyde Park. And, um, you know, I, it, who knows if you get to, you, you know, it's, it's a big ask. In fact, I didn't even ask it. I just kind of sat there and looked at him with like, you know, like almost t telepathically, like being all this, the one. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, and he look, Phil looks at me and goes, he goes, look, man, I, I, I sense you want to jam at this show. And I go, you know, I do. Please. 
And he goes, okay, hold on. And I could see out of the bus, you could see backstage, you know, there's a awesome, you know, almost like a summertime backstage vibe with all the different bands and catering. You could see him and you could also see in the distance, you could see from the bus upstairs, you know, double decker bus, you could see Lemmy's little dressing room, dressing room he had that he was sitting in, you know, just in the, in the mix, in the mix, midst of that melee time and space. Right. So Phil goes, all right, I'm going to go ask him. And I sat there and stared at Phil, you know, Phil saunters off with the Phil, Phil Campbell by language. Yeah, yeah. goes to the thing, knocks, knocks on the door, tick, 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 you know, quite far away, but I can see it. And Phil opens the door and he goes in. And then, you know, you know, when he comes out, if you're playing Hyde Park or not. And Phil came out a little later and he, he gave me the thumbs up from far away, walked up and he goes, you got it. And I was like, wow. So there, there I was, you know, and the, the cool thing for me, uh, you know, Motorhead, uh, that version of Motorhead is a three piece, right? So there's no, nobody like you or myself that would send, that would front a band. So there, mm -hmm. there you were, Hyde Park, fronting Motorhead, killed by death. And the thing that those techs did, the Motorhead crew, by the way, was the best crew. Like they were so raw and so real and so family oriented. And the thing they always did when I would jam wherever, but in this case, it's Hyde Park, they would, they would grab it. I've never had this happen except for Motorhead. And, you know, I almost think I should do it, but then again, you know, whatever. But so you know the pictures when you look back at the Who back in the day, and, the, and there's the micro, there's the SM58, there's the cord. The back of the cord is folded backwards and it's duct taped. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You that? To this day, you might need, you might be able to tell me. I don't quite know what that, why. I, you know, I mm. don't know. But anyway, anytime I jam with Motorhead, they, I'd get stage left, and the sound guy from Texas would be like, "Here you go," and it'd always be that mic. It'd be a 58 with the with the cord in, folded back, like like here you are, almost like you're from the 70s. You just missed it. <laughs> and I've never, you know, I don't poke bears, and I, you know, and I and, and I commit to mysteries. So. There's some Motorhead stories for you. No, oh, that's great, man. And and the coolest thing about us being able to play that show uh, for Lemmy's birthday is that he passed away like literally two weeks later. And I think, that's you right. know, Lemmy was such in control of himself and, you know, in, in conjunction with the universe that when he found out he was sick, I think he just willed himself like, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to go. And away he went. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas, see? Already learning. Haha, -ha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words, sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Coming up soon. You and I are going to reunite in our big tour of the United States, Ugly Kid Joe and Fozzie. And it's really cool because it is something a little bit off the beaten path for us and for you guys, because you guys haven't toured in the States for like 27 years, something along those lines. You know, we, we got the band, Ugly Kid Joe got the band back together after like 16 years. Uh, and we've been out on the road. We actually hung out with you. First show we did back, funny enough, was June 6, 2012. And that was with you. At the uh, underground. That's exactly right. It was you, you and the butcher babies and the UK jet. Wow. And that's the first realize. time I ever met you. And we sat, we sat and I looked at you like, what's up, bro? Isn't this radical? I said, we're blasts because we are. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's the first time I met you. And then of course we jammed at Lem's um, celebration of his life, 70th birthday. And now, uh, which I'm excited about, we're going to tour. So once again, I'll at Joe. Yes, we've been to you kind of like, you know, in the coal mines, but mainly in Europe. And we've been waiting for something that was uh, delicious or attractive to us to go do in North America. And that's that's you and us. Mm. That's Fozzie. That's Ugly Kid Joe. We have a, a opening act called Pistols of Dawn. You know, they're in it to win it as well. And uh, yeah, we're going out on tour May and June. What? So what made you decide now is finally the time to come back to the States? You. <laughs> Just waiting for the right band to hook up with? That's right. That's exactly right. Well, I know a lot of people are excited about it because once again, I mean, you know, you, you mentioned you've been doing a lot of work in the UK and, you know, Polish Woodstock and all these crazy gigs that you've had. But back in the States, it's it's interesting because there's a lot of people like, man, Ugly Kid Joe, we haven't seen them in years and we're excited, you know, and you do have such great radio presence because of, you know, obviously the three or four huge tunes that you have. And there's a big buzz about this, which is, is really cool. Did you expect that? Were you hoping for it? Have you been kind of keeping an eye on the States? Because once again, you are tour, traveling the world, having adventures. Yeah, we're hoping for it. And then we're excited about it. Uh, you know, you, we, here's how I kind of live my life. And I'm sure you do the same is you put yourself in whatever situation. You do everything you can do to make it great. And uh, you and I are both doing that. And there's a good buzz, if not a great buzz on the tour. And, you know, we're excited to get out there and uh, play. For mm. North Americans, you know, and then, you know, United States is a big, big country. So this is probably the first first leg of, you know, a tour. Rad Wings of Destiny tour, I might add. It's the Rad Wings of Destiny. Always great. The the uh, classic UKJ uh, uh, pun <laughs> on the classic album titles. Tell us kind of uh, you guys said you got back together in 2012 and were you always big in the UK? Is that why you've kind of been doing most of the UK and Europe? Or did you, did you kind of build up a bigger name now over the last few years? I think it Joe was, was part of like MTV when MTV actually played the videos, mm-hmm. you know? So I guess we were part of kind of the golden age when like, you know, if you got a major record, this is all before the computer. If you got a major record company deal and you got your, you know, your video on heavy rotation, you sold millions of records, period. So we were part of that. So oddly, and fortuitously, Ugly Kid Joe broke around the world all at once. I mean, from Japan to Australia, Indonesia, England, Germany, like the world. So that said, when we put it back together, I, you know, I'm from North America, and you know, and I'm, I'm grateful that I'm from there. I'm from uh, Northern California, 
but I want to live in Europe. You know, that's kind of where the, the, the I really enjoy Europe. I, I just lived in Brighton. I spent a lot of time in Portugal. I love Italy, France, a bunch of different places. So the way that I do my life, I, I, I manage the band with my friend Gav. And, we, you know, you know how it goes. Like at this juncture in our careers, you a lot of things you have to do yourself if it's going to happen right. at all. Right. The infrastructure as far as a label and all those things that used to be there in the beginning of the 90s was predicated on selling albums. And you're not going to sell a lot of albums anymore because mm. of the computer. And that's okay. That It is what it is. So we um, go and we do it ourselves. Uh, Klaus and I are the architects of most everything. We, uh, we have Dave Foreman in the band. He's a great producer. So he'll he'll produce here and there. We just actually used Mark Dodson from uh, America's Least Wanted uh, on this new record. But what I do as far as touring goes is I want to use my vocational land. And in this storyline, uh, it's touring and making music. I want to I want to go live life through music. Mm -hmm. So I want to live in Europe. So I, what I'll do is I'll sit with my booking agent, agent uh, Ed Sellers, and I'll say, Ed, and I'll be like, what's up? And I'll say, let's start the tour somewhere really cool, particularly in Europe usually. And let's end it somewhere cool. So then I'll go wherever the beginning of it is and live there for a couple of weeks. And then when the tour ends, I'll live wherever that is. <laughs> and I try, I try to sell that to my, um, to my bandmates because if you objectively think, which I do, about people saving their money to go on a trip in Europe, you know, Europe, that's a, that's it's a lifetime journey for a lot of people. We're always ending up somewhere magnificent in, by my gauge. Right. So why mm. not use the, uh, the, you know, the plane tickets or the, the travel certificates to go experience life through music. And that's what I do. I mean, in the early nineties, I'm sure you'll, you'll remember that you could, you could parlay music into a kind of a more hedonistic end, which is something to do when you're younger. Right. And then now you can probably, you know, meet some rad, people that are like the locals and they mm -hmm. know where the, where the secret restaurant is or whatever it is. So I'm from North America. So it doesn't really call me to live there. Right. But if I was from Portugal, if I was from Greece or wherever, I might want to go live in California. So in the end, people with, with straight hair want curly hair, right? People <laughs> with curly hair want straight hair. And, uh, you know, I find a, a, a solace in traveling in general. And then I have, you know, this uh, piece of clay that could be anything. So sure. We're going to tour. And sure, we're going to hopefully make a couple bucks and hopefully, you know, have an awesome experience. So that's my my kind of goal is to kind of live life through whatever tools I have. And in this storyline, it's um, music. No, and that's a great way to be, man. It's like using your art to take you where you want to go. And that's one thing I've always said that's been great about being able to tour the world, both from a music standpoint, from a wrestling standpoint. I mean, we get paid to go to places where people save up for years to get a chance to visit, you know, like I can't wait to go to Japan and I'm going to wait. And it's like, you know, I've been to Japan 65 times and I appreciate why it's cool to go there and have a job when you get there as well. Exactly right. And if you've gone to Japan 65 times, that's an amazing number or anywhere slowly, but surely you have some people that you, that you love and care about and they're like, sure. Hey man, and you maybe, maybe someone's, you know, kitchen table mm -hmm. with whatever, with whatever they're eating. You know, that's like, you know, there's, there's where you can get, which is awesome still, you can get, you can go visit whatever and you can stay at, you know, like a resort or whatever. And that's cool. And that's a gift in its own right. But then there's something outside that, which is where the locals would be at. And so, right. you know, in music of all things, I'm sure wrestling serves this, this end as well, is it's a currency to kind of unlock those doors of some cool stuff, whether it be a restaurant, some local, local people or, you know, because in the end of the day, I don't know if you'll agree, but I'm sure you might is the currency of our life is people, especially mm -hmm. friends. 
Like, you know, and, and so if you've been to Japan 65 times, I'm sure you've nurtured a bunch of cool friendships. Mm-hmm. And isn't that amazing? Exactly. On, on a worldwide basis to be able to do that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You mentioned that, that how much the business has changed as far as selling records and that sort of thing, but let me ask you about, about when you guys first started out and when... Uh, the first EP came out. This is a rare occasion where a band's first song goes hugely through the roof. I mean, er- everything about you was everyone knows that song. And once again, the EP is what it came from. What was kind of the idea? Obviously, you can't say, well, did you know it was going to be that big? But putting out just an EP, I'm assuming that the record company was just giving us just a little taste. And then the thing goes through the roof. Kind of tell us about what, what that was like for you guys at the time, how that all came to be. Well, we were uh, living in Isla Vista, California, and that's the most densely populated square mile west of the Mississippi. It's just a bunch <laughs> of college kids, bicycles, people burning couches, there's keg beers. It's like, it's like imagine like a tsunami of kids that just escaped their parents. Right. And at that time, it's a college campus for UCSB. That's a yeah, University of California, Santa Barbara. And at that time, to its credit, the GPA was very low. So the lower the GPA, the, the more fun the town, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So it had all it had all that, and you know, I started a band there with uh, with, with with these guys that let me be the singer. I don't know how you rolled with your singership, if that's even a word. But I always wanted to be the singer, and no one would let me, and I don't play any instruments. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was, I'll be the singer. Like I was like like a little. I'm still a big kid, but like I'll be I'll be the singer. Right, I'll right. be the singer. I'm like, and I'm, I'm secretly a badass guitar player. Like mm-hmm. I write killer, but I you know that's too time consuming. So anyway, I wanted to be the singer and I finally convinced somebody to let me be the singer. And then that band could draw like 800, it's a cover band, a couple originals. And that band could draw like 800 people, 600 people. Like it was a really neat time before mm. the computer. We were going to Kinko's making really um, suspect flyers, like the art. This, like I've seen some of those flyers. Like I was like, look at this flyer. Remember this? And you're like, wow. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like crafts from like camp. arts and crafts yeah yeah and uh anyway so i get klaus to join that band we uh we changed the name from a uh, overdrive to ugly kid joe and we had made and there's a story about that though ugly kid joe wasn't that in uh, retaliation to doing a gig with pretty boy floyd or something like that before we even had a record deal the and i don't know like you know i do you remember this remember when you're when your cover band or your little band in the in the town and you think you're all that but you know you're just a little band in the town objectively and if you could open up for a national act do you remember that yeah it was like you were this close to whatever it was you're not quite sure what it is but you want it. <laughs> you know this is a fire that i want to warm my hands by i can't <laughs> wait and there was a place called the carnival that was run by this guy vic and there's another guy named Bill Hardy that booked the bands. Bill Hardy's a pretty cool guy. He had a, he had a Harley Davidson. And anyway, so Klaus has joined the band. Uh, it's kind of turning into a different band, and we don't have a name. But we have a demo. The demo sounds killer. So we go down, and there's Pretty Boy Floyd playing. We don't, you know, it's cool. Those guys can be whoever they are. But they're the opposite of us, certainly, right? So we have our demo. We're all here, dude. You know, we're, we really want to open up for it. Because it it's a national act. 
It's, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. you almost, if you open up for a national act, you're almost signed, like in your mind. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> you're that it's, close. It's, you're, yeah. you're getting close. And so we uh, gave the demo. I was like, who knows? Maybe we'll get the gig. And then I don't know how he found us because we didn't have cell phones, but he finds us and he says, uh, hey, you guys got the gig, but I got to put you in the paper. I think we had a landline somehow. And uh, Klaus was eating like top ramen on, a, on like, you know, a couch you wouldn't want to sit on in this day and age. But at that time, you don't care. <laughs> and uh, and I go, hey, Klaus, it's Bill Hardy. We got the gig. And he goes, so he's kind of eating his, you know, his noodles, you know, top ramen. That's what we could afford. It's delicious. Salt is awesome. And, uh, and, and Bill goes, but look, you know, we have to put you in the paper and you need a name and you need to tell me right this second or you don't got the gig. And I was like, all right, hold on. And I said, Clay Klaus, dude. So we get the gig and we don't have a name and you don't want to be overdrive. So what do you want to be? And I looked at him like, come on. And he's hard to get to say anything. We call Klaus the window shopper. So this is a big moment. <laughs> and Klaus looks at it, looks over. He goes, we're, we're ugly kid Joe. And I go, I go, okay. I didn't even get it. The penny did not drop until I hung up. And I said, we're ugly kid Joe, bro. <laughs> and he goes, all right, you sure? And I go, yeah, that's what we are. And Klaus goes like this. He kind of smiled, his little wry smile. And that was that. And I go, why look at Joe? And he goes, dude, you're a little slow, which I am a little slow. He said, um, he goes, it's the opposite of, of Pretty Boy Floyd. Duh. And I go, oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> and then push comes to shove. Um, that gig got canceled. They didn't like it. And we were like, but we did need a name. And ta-da, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> So Pretty Boy Floyd wasn't happy about Ugly Kid Joe? No, no. No, no, no. The gig, oh, the gig just got canceled. No, no. They didn't care. They're, I mean, they're oh, still okay. a band. I hope they're doing great. No, no. They canceled the gig. It's like it just didn't exist. <laughs> gotcha. They weren't mad at our name. <laughs> but it's that's cool. It's, it's interesting things, how things manifest, right? And flow. But back to your initial question, which yeah. was like, what, what was it like when that blew up? Um, you know, we got signed to Mercury Records. And... They they put us on on the label. We were like, wow, what is this? You know, we don't we don't know. I've never. I don't think at that point I left California. Mm -hmm. And you had you know the the, the A guy Bob Scoro who's a good guy, and he would sit down and he, and we were like, wow, because this is a guy that you know I hadn't really listened to any adults at that time in my life. Like I hadn't mm -hmm. sat and looked at an adult and like that's a rad idea. But this guy had the keys to some kind of city that I was really interested in. And I saw yes. What else can like what yes okay what? <laughs> and he's like and he had these big visions of what was going to happen to the band which meant going to the studio which i'd never been in the studio really not really which was a you know i was a i still am a live singer it's where i find solace is, is, is performing live and i can go in the studio now no problem i get it i've been vetted by time and space and and um experience mm -hmm. so but at that time i hadn't and so we went in made an ep and he told us bob score said hey man we're gonna go we're gonna go ahead and release this song we had this guy named uh what was his name? Thomas McNone shot that video in Santa Barbara, like down under the house we, we, were, we were staying at. We, you know, we, don't, we didn't really live anywhere. We, uh, I, mean, I still don't live anywhere. And anyway, so we shot the video. We had a song ready. We had an EP. You know, we were right on. We didn't even know about like where we'd fit in or we didn't even care. Klaus and I went to Tower Records at the time, which is a record store. Right. And we went. We were so excited. Just the, we wanted to know where you, Ugly Kid Joe, where the you would be in the, in the album section. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was right next to Van Halen and you too. And the Van Halen part made us really excited. We're like, right <laughs> next, we, we, we're all right next to Van Halen. And you know, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. We, we love Van Halen. But anyway, back to the thing. Squirrel said, our, and our dude said, Hey, look, we're just going to, what we're trying to do is build the brand, the Ugly Kid Joe brand. And I'm like, I, I don't know if I'd ever heard branding used that way. Uh, I get it now, but not then. And we're going to try to sell 25,000 records and then we'll make a full length and we'll, we'll build you up. 
Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay. And we didn't even know what that meant. I think he even said units, 25,000 units. Right. And I was like, and I was like, I think I pulled my manager aside and said, like, is a unit like a CD sale? What is that? <laughs> and, uh, you know, you don't know. And then boom, it was right. You know, we made a video for 5,000 bucks with Thomas McDonough. He's quite a good, he's a talented dude. And he really, and Thomas, not, not only did the song, at that point, if you remember, it was like there was a model and I know this now, but didn't know it then, but it was what Klaus wanted to do is you had big bands, big hair bands, and they'd have, you know, kind of a, a, what are, a one song, two song. And then the, and then the ballad song would be the third song, right. sell three million records. And that was the move. It was a model. It's good for those bands. But with Klaus, he wrote an anti love ballad, which is, I hate everything about you. And he was excited about that, but we didn't know it would be that it would go on beyond stupidity. Like we, were, we didn't think it would magically happen, but so we released that song. And the video, which did capture is exactly what we were like. Like that's what we were walking around in shorts, 10-eyed Doc Martens. And we were those mm-hmm. dudes. Like we were those archetypal dudes walking the earth. And we we committed to it. Like we were those dudes probably for a couple of years. Like those dudes. And we went and toured with a band called Scatterbrain. It was a big tour. We had a motor home. And we had uh, Billy Morgan was our, was our tour manager and sound dude. And uh, Tim Wright was our tech, and we went out there and we were opening for Scatterbrain. We never, I'd never really been out of California, let's be mm. honest. And all of a sudden, you know, the room started filling up, but we didn't know they were filling up for us, you know, and they, and they were. Right. And we were like, wow, but we still didn't get it. We were like, you know, wow, this is amazing. You know, we, you know, I'd never been to Kansas City or, mm-hmm. you know, Lincoln, Nebraska or wherever. And all of a sudden, you know, Ozzy and Sharon heard that, you know, because we talked a lot about Ozzy, like, you know, we're kids and we know whatever questions were asked to us we'd always just say ozzy rules because we you know because we loved him and we still love him yeah and i think those guys heard the osborne camp heard about that because we wouldn't shut up about it like we had ozzy on our knuckles <laughs> yeah. and all and so the band's blowing up and then push comes to shove we got the 92 ozzy no more tours tour with motorhead hmm. and funny enough and uh and there it was and I, we were like really you know, I think we're somewhere in the motorhome. And then all of a sudden, and we just, the tour never stopped, by the way, because as I hinted to before, as we broke worldwide. So this is the beginning of touring for two and a half years straight. Hmm. It didn't stop. We went on and on. But back to what was it like? It just kind of grew really fast. We didn't know what we were involved in. The fun part of it, the shows and all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, the first time you get a 45-foot American Eagle tour bus. You run on it. You're like, no way. You've never seen a bus. You know what I mean? You look at the back clouds and you're like, wow. Like, you can't believe. Because you've seen the bus, the buses in the rock videos. Like, sure. You see like Bon Jovi or Poison video or whatever it is. And you're like, oh my God, it looks so fun. I wonder what it's like on that bus. And all of a sudden mm. we had a bus. So it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And we went on these tours and it opened all these doors. And um, the fun part of it, the the... The true part of it, the musicality, the the camaraderie, the new experiences, the hedonistic fun, like, you know, piratey type experiences, those were awesome. The business construct of it was a little too much for me because I'd never been in a situation where I couldn't speak my mind. And because there's politics in, in that side of music and I sure. didn't know how to negotiate that. And that made me really uncomfortable and kind of pukey. And that's fair enough because I didn't know what I didn't know what I got myself into. So it was both as many things are it was both it was awesome and really uncomfortable on another level that i now know how to negotiate and and, and can shine bright i can i can do great business and and rock out but at that time i was like wow what what is this and of mm-hmm. course it came with all you know every rock band's the same rock band do you agree oh yeah we have the same story yeah, so, so we lived all those storylines and uh 
you know, for some miraculous reason, you know, here we are. And, uh, you know, I love music. I love rock and roll music. I love Sabbath and Priest and ACDC. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there it is. I'm still here. Like, I, you know, I've been uh, training for our tour, the Rad Wings Destiny Tour you and I are about to embark on. And, uh, you know, I go on my beach hikes or I go on my, my mountain hikes uh, here in Hawaii. And, uh, and I crank Priest and Sabbath and ACDC still. Like it's the same. To this like day, I crank, right? Yeah. I crank Power Age, and I'm like, I feel good about this. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Like you know, if you do the math, which I just know the math because people told me the math. I never figured it out myself. But like back in those days, I guess it's almost any business model. But back in those days, when you when a record deal meant something before the computer, of a hundred bands that got signed, only three percent of the bands made it. Sure. And ninety-seven of the bands either got shelved or didn't. And the three percent that made it subsidize all the um, other bands that didn't make it right so not only is, is, it, is it somewhat impossible to get to sing in a band in the first place in the streets of isla vista and then it, it's it seems you know probably impossible that randomly i'll get a record deal some weird way and then of that record deal in the percentage wise which is math i we were part of a very small percentage that got to uh have this crazy experience that's still going so the ugly ugly kid joe what's it called what was that album what's it called Ugly, 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 ugly as you want to be. Oh yeah, yeah, ugly and they want to be. That thing sold a lot of units. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the first EP debut EP to go platinum, hmm. and then I think it's now it's double platinum, as is the album America's Least Wanted. So, so it was a really heavy experience, and we survived it, and somehow we're still here, and we're making music in this. And I tell you this, and there's there's a you know not playing for 16 years was weird. Like I did a bunch of other bands and I had a lots of other experiences, which I think there's a great, great worth in those experiences that proved a lot to myself, but Klaus didn't want to play ever. I'd be like, every couple, you know, we're best friends from childhood straight up. So every couple of years I'd be like, do you want to, he'd be like, no, I'd be like, all right, whatever. And then, the, you know, once again, he's a window shopper. So like we never got back together, which is fine, whatever. We, and then finally we did 15 or 16 years later. So that doesn't mean that you get to go tour North America or Europe or, or anywhere. It doesn't mean that you get to go do it. It mm. means you could try. So, you know, we're very fortunate. You know, we, we, we're very aware of, uh, of getting to do this. Like mm. I appreciate getting and I, and I love our crew and I love the tour manager. And uh, sometimes you get an awesome bus driver, you know, and I love the whole experience. <laughs> like, I can't wait. I can't wait to see you out there because it's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. That's it. We're going to have fun and we're going to entertain and, you know, we connect through music and, yeah. All right. So I'm like 10 and 0 when it comes to snagging the last delicious factor meal in my house before the new weekly delivery arrives. We all love factors ready to eat meals here in the Jericho household. They're fresh, never frozen, chef crafted and dietitian approved. And best of all, they're ready to eat in just two minutes. Eating better has never been easier or more delicious. There's over 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie smart, protein plus and keto. So before I jumped on the plane to get the dynamite this week to wrestle Atlantis Jr., I had grilled steakhouse filet mignon with Parmesan cream, spinach and broccolini. Two minutes to heat it up ate it right out of the factory container and then tossed it in the garbage fast easy and delicious no prepping cooking or cleanup needed you can fuel up with factors restaurant quality meals too. get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime and factor is less expensive than takeout what are you waiting for head to factormeals.com slash tij50 
and use code TIJ50 to get 50% off. That's code TIJ50 at factormeals.com slash TIJ50 to get 50% off. Well, that was always the thing with Ugly Kid Joe, too. And you said a lot of things that we can cover here because you're talking about having selling all these records worldwide. I worked in a, in a club in Calgary, Canada, and it was kind of a rock club. Thursday night was rock night, and I was the, one of the bouncers there. And everything about you, everyone went nuts for it. And I think because it was the time frame of 1992 where kind of the whole you know hair metal or whatever you want to call it was done, you guys weren't that because you just looked like dudes. Like you said, T-shirts, baseball caps, shorts. Because you had that gimmick, it kind of gave you a pass through the, the hair band grunge world into just being a band. That was a very rare thing for that time frame. Yeah, we were like, the, you know, objectively. So if I leave my body and go into outer space, which I do all the time, <laughs> if, if, if you look back, I'm, we're like the missing link, mm-hmm. you know, like you have hair bands, which we have a we have a bit of cock rock to us. We all do. Yeah. And then you have the grunge look or whatever it is. So, yeah, I mean, the thing that Klaus and I did go watch, you know, and, and, by, and by the way, I'm not I'm not like Mick Jagger's life, like uh, what's what Steven Tyler's life, like that rock star clothing makes sense. Like I'm like a running back. So like, yeah, I, you know, yeah. I, I, I was looking for any costume that would suit my frame, but we went and saw what we did see. And I, 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 I do, you, do you remember when was Chili Pepper's Mother's Milk? When was that album? That was about 89, 90 around that time frame. Okay. So we went and saw the Chili Peppers. Once again, we loved, you know, ACDC and Priest and, and you know, class like, like Poison and Rat and all these bands. And so we, you know, obviously we're from suburban Palo Alto, you know, think about yeah, that. We like, yeah, Cinderella, yeah. we like Cinderella. Tom Kiefer's awesome. Um, but anyway, we went and saw the Chili Peppers, and there it was. We'd never seen a band express themselves like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they were so awesome. And we saw them at the, I saw them at the Fillmore in um, San Francisco, and I did a backflip off the monitor, and I knocked this front tooth out of my face, <laughs> and it broke at a triangle. So it's just you could see the root, but it didn't hurt off oddly. Right. And and you know I, you you don't really realize how much your tongue is cruising around your mouth like detecting flaws <laughs> and uh and I went like this after i did after i did the backflip you know i was like and i was like i was like oh wow it feels like there's a flaw in my face <laughs> and i and i went to the i went to the bathroom and i went and looked in the mirror and you know you go like this you go like this with your teeth you can smile you can, you're kind of looking and there was right. a tooth knocked out of my face because there's no out there's no getting out of it your front tooth was knocked out yeah and i went to all my friends class included and i walked up and they and i i had a different sheen to me like almost like <laughs> almost like eeyore from like winnie the pooh like right, i look right. sad and uh, they're all what's going on and every time i go like this my friends would fall on the ground laughing in my face because <laughs> they, they like <laughs> so not only did we figure out back to the thing not only did we figure out there's a different way to be which is the chili peppers way we were already in shorts that's true and i think we already had doc martens but like we really we really um were affected by you know that free spirit funk assault of the chili peppers we didn't do funk very well mm-hmm. ugly kids never did it very well but we wanted to be near the frequency and we were very inspired by their magic mm-hmm. it was awesome so we were, we certainly were an amalgam of everything from you know cock rock to chili peppers to faith no more to whatever but we, you know and we did it the best we could and somehow snuck through how was it for you as a young guy young lead singer on tour with ozzy and lemmy two of the all-time notorious rock and roll characters in so many ways. And here you are at, you know, 23, 24 years old touring with those guys. It was the greatest. We couldn't believe it. You know, we hung out with those dudes. I would, I, I mean, at that point, and even to this point, but at that point I was, you know, 
pretty into it. Like I wanted to be next to Ozzy at all times, all day long. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to be in that guy's shadow. So they were really kind to us. Sharon was awesome. The kids were kids at that time. Mm-hmm. They were really, you know, beautiful Osbornean children. And the Motorhead dudes were just the great. So it was like, you know, every day was, and you know, a tour, you know, like a good tour like that. Like all of a sudden it becomes your constant and it's just what you did. So I can still see it right now in my mind. And it was, um, it was awesome. You know, let me walk, walk out every day, young, virile, strong, badass, Rickenbacker, Holden Lemmy, Marshall Cab, And he'd go, hello, we are Motorhead. We are rock and roll. And they'd tear it up. <laughs> you know, we were in awe of all those dudes. Mike Inez was in that band, Randy Castillo for Oz, and Zach. And I was, I was Zach's beer tech. <laughs> I was like, I, I, and I was always trying to lobby to sing sound checks because Oz never did sound check. And uh, so sometimes I get to sing a sound check. And it was just, you know, it was so pure and exciting. And, you know, and it had all those, you know, there's a, there's a couple of hedonistic experiences in there with fueled by beer, right? <laughs> and um, I mean, and it's a perfect age to have that too. And it also, you know, because I feel, I mean, every day I'm sure you feel the same. Like I feel really small and, and, and weird and the world is so overwhelming, right? And you're, you're always looking for a sign, at least I am, where everything's going to be cool or you have, or you're part of something. You know, what, what am I? You know, you don't, you don't know. I still don't know, except moments like this are all your part of this. Mm. Motorhead's got your back. Ozzy's got your back. And you can go tour with these dudes. And I'm like, wow, because once again, I'm a fan. I'm just a fan of these dudes that somehow is on tour with these guys, which is awesome. You know, and I think those dudes were fans of like what they liked. Like Oz loved the, and loves the Beatles, loves like Sergeant Peppers, loves, right. you know, that with, with Lem on the bus on those stories before where he would tell you about Dave Edmonds and all his things that he loved. He loved and Twistle. He loved this. And, they, and he said, you know, those guys love music. So uh, it was fun to be indoctrinated or, or welcomed into a moment in time and space, which gave me hope for myself. Like mm-hmm. I was like, wow, maybe I'm part of something, you know, because I was good at sports when I was a kid. And I loved being part of a sports team, but that wasn't going to happen again. You know, there's no way you're going to be on a baseball team or a soccer pitch or, you know, European football, whatever. So this was like, a, I was like, wow, somehow I still get to do it. You know, I work really hard to do it. I, I do everything I can to get to the stage, uh, but it doesn't mean you get to get to the stage. So back then it just kind of opened up, you know, and there's, there's no rhyme or reason. I mean, we did the actions. You would, got a record deal, track some songs, release the songs. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean it's going to open up, and it, mm. it really did open up. It was overwhelming and awesome. I know you also did a tour. I think it was stadiums in the UK was with Bon Jovi and Van Halen. It was yeah. that the bill and ugly kid Joe. I mean, that's ridiculous. That was the greatest thing ever. And Ed, who became my dear friend, Ed, Eddie Van Halen, we call him Shredward. <laughs> and and, I, and he told us that no one's ever said that. We're all, what's up Shredward? And he's like, oh, he's like, he's like, I never heard that one. And the cool thing about that, A, the, it was, the shows were great. They were like, you know, 40 to 80,000 seats a night packed and we were you know we were at the top of our game we had shannon larkin in the band at that point and we wanted it man it was menace to sobriety tour and we were a dangerous band at that time certainly but as far as like like van halen goes of course you know i think we must share the same ground here van halen's awesome of course and uh, so, that, so all of a sudden we're on to and we're like no way there's those dudes you know come on i had i mean did you not have van halen posters on your wall yes did you have ozzy posters on your wall yes motorhead yes and on and on a priest, yes. And on and ACDC, yes. Mm. So there's those dudes. And I kept on like, I kept on being in the posters from my wall. From uh, <laughs> my room, my room in high school was called the Room of Doom. 
It was rad. <laughs> and uh, my mom, my mom later gave it to college students and ruined it. And I almost cried, but <laughs> nevertheless. So we're on tour. And then what was interesting, if not awesome, because Bon Jovi's, you know, like if you're the headliner of, of a big show like that, you know, it's, there's a lot more responsibility to it than an opening act. The opening acts almost get to have fun. They're like, whatever. We got an hour set or whatever it was. And so we'd be back there with those, I forget what those amps are called, but the little teeny amps where everyone can warm up, right? Yeah, little practice amps, yeah. Yeah, practice amps. And Ed would roll back in his underwear or whatever and be like, what's up? And he'd like look in, like, can I come in? And we'd be like, yeah. And we, th those guitar players would just day foreman or Faust would just take the guitars off and hand it to Ed. And Ed would sit down and we'd go, we'd, go, we'd sit there, we'd all crowd around like a, like like, like he, was a, he was the fire at a campfire, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so psyched. And he was so generous and awesome and uh we'd say we'd I'd be, I'd be all dude play mean street do it and he'd be all there's a bunch of stuff that was there's lots of stuff that we couldn't that wasn't on the set with sam right so we would sit there and just get him to play you know spanish fly play spanish fly and he'd be like and he and he would come jam with us and hang out with us tell us rad stories and a part part of me wishes i had some documentation of it like a video or something but i don't or still photo or anything but it was so rad and like and I don't drink whiskey. If there's anything I shouldn't drink is whiskey. And I'm not good at it. Lemmy was good at it. And the Van Halen guys like their whiskey. And uh, so imagine this. Multiple times, we'd be watching uh, Van Halen stage left or stage right. I'd probably always do it from stage left. And then there's Mike Lanthi's bass rig, right? Mm -hmm. And Mike would be back there during Eddie, Eddie Van Halen, ripping solos, you know, just walking around being Ed to a packed soccer stadium just like your childhood like and but it's not a still photo on your wall it's the real thing it's right head ripping and i you know we've already played a show so like for some reason i have like you know i'm allowed to stand there and no one's no one's telling me to go anywhere like i'm i'm free to be me and a couple different times michael anthony would go like this he'd go like yeah he'd be behind his bass rig and he'd go like this he'd, he'd, he'd uh motion me over and he'd have a big bottle of jack daniels with him and you know once again i'm not a big jack daniels guy but he'd, he'd take a big swig off it and hand it over and I'd be like, well, if you're going to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. you're good, you probably should do it now. And I go like this. I hit the jack downs. And then in between the, the base cabinets was like, you know, a little avenue you could see through. And there would be Ed in the avenue, finger tapping, <laughs> ripping solos, why I had whiskey face. <laughs> and that's pretty cool. Yeah, it doesn't get any better. I have a one time Lemmy and I went to a radio station to do a joint radio interview. And on the way there in the in the limo, Lemmy asked me if I wanted some Jack Daniels. And I was like, yeah, sure. And he had this like, his hands were all dirty, reaches in, grabs some ice, throws it into the thing. I'm like, okay, I'll drink the straight Jack Daniels with Lemmy in the back of the limo with his dirty hands with the with the ice. If there's any germs on it, the straight alcohol will kill it anyways. When else am I going to get to do this, right? Like that's just rock and yeah. roll right there, you know? That's so cool. Exactly right. You know who's living large at my house? My three cats, Mr. Mittens, Indy, and Snickers. And you know why? Because we switched them to Pretty Litter. Okay, so it's really me and my wife and my daughters who are living large, thanks to Pretty Litter. Because Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly, so no more bad cat smells in the bathroom. Pretty Litter crystals last up to a month, so less cat litter box cleaning for all of us. And less fighting about whose turn it is to clean the litter box. I got to deal with this fight every single week between my daughters. This makes it so much easier. Pretty Litter also ships right to our front door. So no more last minute mad scramble runs to the store because we're out of kitty litter. And Pretty Litter has another cool feature that makes life just a little easier. It helps us keep tabs on our cat's health. 
It changes colors so you can monitor early signs of potential illnesses like urinary tract infections and kidney issues. It's easily the best thing we've done for ourselves and our cats in a very long time. Like I said, Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. Those are two big wins in my house, meow. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. So go to prettylitter.com slash Jericho and use code Jericho to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash Jericho. Code Jericho to save 20%. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Let's talk about another huge hit of yours, which I saw, I think another time when we played a festival together, it might've been download or something like that. And when, when you guys did cats in the cradle, the whole crowd is singing it. It's become a, a huge anthem. Your, your, your second biggest, or in a lot of ways, your biggest hit. How did that come about of doing kind of an obscure, uh, not obscure, but it wasn't really a, a huge song amongst the rock cognoscenti, shall we say? Well, I grew up in Palo Alto, California. And you remember 45s, the vinyl? Of course. So my sister had, I was a little boy, but my sister had a vinyl of Harry Chapin, Cats in the Cradle. And I used to sneak into her room, which was, you know, not to be done, but I would do it anyway, because I'm a kid. <laughs> and I would cruise and we'd listen to that kind of, just as audible as we could listen without waking my parents up. Right. And we'd listen to it over and over again. So it was in my, that, that song was in my DNA, let's say. And then, as we talked about before, we do this EP, it blows up massively. Like, like it's like, we're like, really? How many? What? Yeah. And then there's the label, Full Court Press, and they're all, who do you want to produce you? And you got to get in the studio immediately. And we're like, uh, uh, and, and they'd say stuff like this, which is a fair question. They'd say, do you have the songs? And we would lie and say, yeah, of course, we got it all. So we ended up going to the studio with Mark Dodson, who produced, uh, who was an engineer on Sin After Sin, which actually had its, its birthday the other day, 1977's Judas Priest, Sin After Sin. <laughs> and... Um, Anyway, so we're in the studio and we're tracking songs. And, you know, once again, I'm not the most comfortable guy in the studio. I think I'm actually kind of a bit of a pain, really, uh, because, you know, I'm like, it's not live. It's not like a live show. I, don't, I didn't really understand it. And, I, and my attention is, is like, oh, I'm still a bit of a child, right? But I was really bad back then. And I would be a, a whingy little singer, sadly. But anyway, so we get there and we have to fill the album out. It comes down to that. Like, at this point, we have Bobby Carlton, who is our equally our, our A&R guy, he, Squirrel sends him down, our other, our main A&R guy sends Bobby Carlton, he goes, you guys, what's up with the album? You really got it. And we were drinking so many beers back then. And we, you know, we were, we didn't stop being us. We had bad vocabularies. When I say that, we swore a lot. We we're drinking many beers. Like we did everything to get in our own way, but we're still, we're living the thing you should live, right? Devonshire Studios. And it got to the point where, you know, we'd have these meetings in the morning. We're going to clear, the, and we'd just keep on being ourselves. And then it came to the point where, we had to have another song. It didn't need to be a cover. It's just any song. Right. Just to fill America's Least Wanted out. And I'm like, well, what about Cats in the Cradle? And they're like, what is, you know, some people are like, well, what, do you, what is it? You know, and I, oh no, we actually, I think we were playing that song by then. So we tracked it and Dave Foreman played the sitar on it. Dave had just joined the band, played the sitar. And once again, it wasn't dissimilar from everything about you blowing up because it was an afterthought. And right. then we go, the record gets released. America's Just Wanted gets released and we're, and we're, we're on tour with Ozzy and, and Motorhead and we release Neighbor, whatever it is. And some radio station, if I, if I remember right, and I, I've got a pretty good memory, in Texas just started spinning mm. that song because they wanted to and it blew up immediately, number one. Wow. And we're on the road and that, but, you know, back then there's no, there's no cell phones, there's, there's fax machines back then. And, uh, and so you hear it trickle down and then you hear like, hey, Cats is blowing up. We're like, oh, really? 
okay. Like we didn't really, you know, we still were on tour. We don't really know what that side of the world was. And the song just wanted to be what it became. With Ugly Good Joe, oddly, but yet objectively. So, you know, it's, it's not flighty. The things that have worked with this band historically aren't that thought out. And more flow based, right? And the things that have been a little more forced, you know, don't seem to be as natural in, in the outcomes. And when I say natural, I mean successful. And that's how it goes. Like you said, I mean, you hear that about Paranoid and, and Pour Some Sugar on Me. It was kind of like the last song on the record that becomes the massive hit of the album. Or uh, She's Super Freaky, that song too. Yeah. <laughs> Rick James did that there. Like, you got it. He's all, you know, and there you go. As we start to uh, to wind down here, let's talk about Rad Wings of Destiny. It's your new record that just came out a few months ago. Um, you know, a, a new UKJ record is very cool in, in, in 2022. Kind of talk about the record and uh, what, what, what was the timing on that and putting it out after seven years prior for the one before it. And uh, you're now on tour for it, like we said, coming up uh, just in a, in a month or so. Um, well, Rad Wings of Destiny is the new UKJ record. Uh, released, I think, October 21st, 2022. The making of the record was a bit problematic for a couple of different reasons. The biggest reason being COVID, right? Mm, so right. like we went, we went, uh, we got everyone together. You know, I've, I've been living in Australia, in Melbourne, Australia. I got another band called Yellow Cake with this, with this guitar player and Jeff Burns. Heavy. It's awesome. I'll send it to you. Right. And uh, so, cool. so he wrote some of the music on, on, on this new record. We flew him from Australia. We got Mark Dodson back in from the, the guy who did, uh, the producer that did um, America's Least Wanted, Suicidal. Infectious Grooves, Priest, like he's rad. Yeah. A wild heart. So we, we put the whole team back together. We threw everybody in the studio. And you might enjoy the studio, by the way, Mr. Jericho. It's called Sonic Ranch, and it's in El Paso, Texas. The studio is wedged in a pecan farm right next to Juarez. And it is amazing. All the di all different bands live there because there's so many best studios. It's all analog. Best gear I've come across in my life. Like if I was a right-handed guitar player, uh, it would be heaven. It's incredible. There's Picasso's there. There's Salvador Dali's there. There's these great Mexican gals that cook you three meals a day. They make their own hot sauce. It's just a magical experience. So we went in there and did most of the record right before COVID, but we couldn't finish all the vocals. We thought we'd do everything in three weeks and didn't, didn't manage to do all the vocals. And then uh, I found myself living in Portugal and uh, I flew from Portugal to London and met up with Mark Dodson and did the last two vocals, which were Lola and um, That Ain't Living. Mm -hmm. And then COVID came and hit. So we kind of sat on the album. I thought of different ways to be creative during that process because we're all, by that time I was living in Costa Rica. And uh, so we did a, a pretty much a video for each song, a hmm. lyric video where each band member, even though COVID was, you know, challenging as far as like being together you could get a green screen or a white wall sure and make a make a video so we kept creative because i think it's important to be creative and then at that time there was only eight songs because i like number eight which is way flighty <laughs> and uh and then um and then everyone's like dude do you have any more songs and i got songs in my head right now like we could go write songs right this second and in january not this january but the january before so around january 17th i flew in and met Dave Fortman in Fort Myers, where he has a studio. And we tracked up in the city, and I had uh, Dead Friends play in my head. Mm -hmm. And me and Dave and Shannon Larkin tracked those songs and then put those at, uh, with the other eight songs, which actually kind of, I don't know how to put this, but like put energy back into the... Sure, right, right, right. 
which which of course is Rad Wings of Destiny. And then then we felt kind of all you know we're making videos with the lyric videos and the green screens and we got the two new songs and then we released it just released it and we we've toured it in the UK in Europe and we play, you know it's I don't know how you feel but playing new songs is it's kind of scary right oh yeah because you don't know is anybody gonna be into this does it have legs you don't know until you know and mm -hmm. we played three three of the songs live and it's killer so you know now we're gonna celebrate the new album Rad Wings of Destiny with uh with you Fozzie and the Pistols of Dawn and we're gonna go out for a month and uh celebrate north america after 27 years and it's great too you still have a relationship with shannon larkin because obviously shannon was in ugly kid joe for years and then he left to join godsmack but you still he still plays with you when he can right yeah the, the thing the thing I, I spoke before to you and i said and you agreed that every band's the same band do you still agree <laughs> with that <laughs> yeah in a lot of ways yeah for sure same story so the only thing you can do in that story which isn't right or wrong, but it is uh, hopefully original, is, is have a little different reaction to common themes. So a lot of times when band members leave, it's salty and horrible, right? right? Which is understandable for certain stories. But for me, the way that I want it to be, and I do it through communication because I'm not scared of communication, is that we make an effort to, if you've played with us ever, you're in the band, mm -hmm. you know? And for, I mean, if we see you, come to the show, you come track, if you, you know, if you got the skill set, you come track on the, like on the, on the last album before this one, Sunny Mayo played on that record. So go ahead. And it's all, so we try to keep it, um, you know, keep it a, a community, you know, because it's the thing about it is in any relationship, music in, in, included, it's it's a tough thing for it to end just salty. Right. So we make an effort. Uh, it doesn't always work, but we make a, a really purposeful effort to to love each other and then to jam because in the end, that's what you do. Music is a kind of a catalyst for us to have experiences, as we've highlighted through this whole interview. Mm -hmm. So. Everybody should do that. <laughs> Last few things. What are you looking forward to about touring America again? Because it's been so long, like you said. The Waffle House. <laughs> That's it. Just the Waffle House. No, I'm, I'm psyched to cruise around and see North America. You know what? I'll give you the real answer to that. You know, once again, it's, it's North America to me. But here's the thing. We have a guy playing drums with us named Cam Greenwood. He's the drummer. He's English, right? Mm -hmm. we, got our, we got our crew, Tashi, from the UK, but he's Japanese. We got Soldier classic legendary guitar tech and we got gav co-manager with me and tour manager so what am i really excited to go hang out with those dudes in north america mm -hmm. they're excited like it's a camping trip <laughs> like the drummer the drummer cam who's a ripping drummer plays a single kit just really like phil rudd pocket good like he's nice. great yeah, yeah yeah really really great guy but he we just did a festival run with him last summer and he's never played you know outside his band that he had He's never gone and done all this stuff. So he is, so, and he's a man, but he also has that childlike excitement of these experiences that are being delivered through this process. So what am I truly excited for is to watch that guy look at America and, 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 and like be with my crew, be with our, be, be together and go, look at this. You know, this is, this is, you know, this is Jericho and his, his band, this is Fozzie guys. These are the pistols of Don. That's all. You know, I hope we have a barbecue. I'm excited for that. <laughs> We have to have a, a, a team barbecue for sure. No, we should all just go experience and, and go to the Waffle House all together. As one big, happy, uh, triple band family. Yes, sir. <laughs> Last question for you, man. What's your favorite song to play live uh, these days? We love playing No One Survives off of Stairway to Hell so oh, far. Oh, interesting. But the newest, the, the, as far as the new songs go, where, where I'm like, ooh, because it's a big vocal. It's, it's a new song off of off Red of, Wings. Uh, Red Wings. It's uh, it's called uh, That Ain't Living, which is like a big Bon Scott vocal. So that song's badass to play. It's a killer riff. And, and, 
animal and oh, it's killer. So that sounds pretty rad too. But well, the set's radical. You know, we, we go through everything. We celebrate everything. And, uh, you know, we come to play. Well, like I said, you, you mentioned it's, 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 it's going to be a fun package of two rock and roll bands who come to play, like you said, and just have a good time. And, uh, dude, I'm excited to see you and see your set. Uh, you guys are doing Lola now, which they have a, a rad video for that. Of course, the King's Classic along with all yeah. of your other original stuff. So dude, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a rock and roll party for sure. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to spend time with you and I'm, yeah. I'm excited to, to hang out with your band. Yeah, dude, it's going to be a good time. We're really looking forward to it. And I think uh, it's only a month away, so it's going to be good. It's like I said, it was, it was a great night hanging with you uh, and singing beer drinkers and Hellraisers. And the thing that pisses me off, this is an open uh, invitation. Everybody nowadays has a camera phone they film everything i have not seen any i saw one 15 second clip from that night at the whiskey if anybody filmed that you have to send it to us we want to see it it was such a great night i would like to see that too yeah it's very strange it doesn't exist but also it's also hopeful because it means the humans in there were enjoying the moment enjoying the show exactly enjoying the moment so but i but of course i would really like to see it <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> dude it's been awesome talking to you, man. I'm excited. Uh, only another month away or so, and we'll be rocking the stages together here in uh, in North America. All right, bud. Rad Wings of Destiny Tour, Fozzie, UKJ, Pistols at Dawn. We can't go wrong. <laughs> Cheers, dude. Lay, bro.